Late Night City, Beyond the Dark. Let's go over to America and speak to Artie Six Killer Clock. Hello, Artie again. Hello. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I know. Remind us what we talked about last time. Before we talk about the new book, More Encounters with Star People, remind us about what we were talking about last time. Well, I think we were talking about my other two books, uh, Encounters with Star People and then Scott People. Uh, Encounters with Star People talked about uh, Native uh, Native Americans uh, and their stories of encounters. And then Scott People took place in Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Honduras, and Belize uh, among the Maya people and their encounters. Remind us how you got involved with this and and tell us a bit about your background. Well, you know, as a professor at Montana State University, uh, we go out to the reservations and and, uh, to the Indian reservations and recruit students to come to the university to... um, uh, study uh, to become teachers and principals and superintendents of school districts. And on my very first trip out, uh, a, a young um, researcher and scholar and professor, I was um, I uh, met a, a a young man who start, told me uh, took me up to these up on top of this mountain to observe the stars and told me if I, we were lucky they would come. And so when I questioned him what he was talking about, he he began to tell me about the ancestors, the star people. And I was so fascinated by his story because as a child I had heard similar stories. And so uh, after that I decided that I was going to, uh, when I was out on different reservations, I was going to ask elders if I uh, found myself in a position to do that. Uh, about star stories. Did they have, what was their star stories, their ancient stories? And as I began collecting those stories, people said, well, what about contemporary stories? Aren't you interested in what's going on now? So I began collecting those stories. So eventually, after I retired from university, I decided to write about it. Did you really, when you got into it, did you find you couldn't put it down? Well, yes. I mean, uh, you know, I I traveled all everywhere I went, and I was collecting stories. Uh, you know, many times I found myself staying over weekends at my, you know, obviously at my own expense, uh, going out and meeting people at night uh, when I probably should have been resting. But I was so interested in these stories, and, and I'd meet somebody, and they'd say, "Well, you know, so and so, my cousin, you know, he has a story," and my sister, she has a story, or you need to talk to Elder Tom, or you need to do this. And so uh, I was pretty busy in collecting these stories. Did you have uh, any negativity? And did you find anywhere that people would not talk to you? Not really. I had a few people tell me their story, but ask me not to write about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, I would I would not do that. I agreed because I wanted to hear their story, but I didn't tape it. I didn't take notes. But of course, they're in my memory. So, what made you write this new book? Well, you know, uh, my first book was about um, American Indians who live on reservations, 
but so many stories were told to me by people by native people who did not live on reservations you know uh one of the things that people sometimes don't realize that um um of the five million American Indians in the United States, 78% of them don't live on Indian reservations. They live in small-town America, in cities, you know, in the countryside, and are people that that uh, are a part of many communities. Um, and so I wanted to tell their stories, too. Did you find the Indians helpful, or did you find them a bit standoffish? Well, you know, I'm Indian, too. Ah, right. So, I didn't realize you know, that. That gave me an introduction into that community. Mm-hmm. It gave me introduction into a world where uh, people over time would see me come there, and because I was recruiting students to get uh, degrees and college degrees and interested in students, um, in keeping students in school at the at the secondary level, many people began to you know realize that you know I was somebody that could be trusted, and so uh, I didn't have that problem. Tell me, are there much um, of the um, uh, real Americans left? Are there many of the Indian population? Well, like I said, there are five million. Um, counted full-bloods are mixed-race American Indians in the United States. So it's uh, not a very big percentage. Um, but I can remember the day when there was, you know, only one million left. So, no. <laughs> so you know, I mean, after, after uh, the United States was formed and all the Indian Wars had ended, um, you know, there are only like 500 500,000 Indians mm-hmm. uh, left in America. Tell me, as, as you have Indian ancestry, um, do Indian people really believe in UFOs? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, probably much more than, than mainstream society because I think um, uh, we're, we're more attuned to nature and the natural things in the universe than perhaps um, we, we spend less time with technology and TV and things of that nature um, and get out and, and enjoy the outdoors and the, the nighttime and the night sky. How did you construct the book? Because you must have had a wealth of information and you had to leave some of it out. Well, I, you know, I I just go through my stories and I, I start, you know, going through them and just say, this would be, what I try to do is, is in this, in my new book, More Encounters with Star People, I tried to include a story from the various, uh, themes that you find in the UF, uh, UFO literature. For example, abduction, hybrid children, lizard people, little people, uh, giants, you know, you name it, that's what I tried to include in this book because, uh, and that's how I, I weeded them out. I mean, I have so many stories I could write 20 books, but, um, you know, I just tried to pick out ones that, that, and still I haven't gotten through all my stories, so. Teasers, tell us one of the best stories. 
Well, I think one of the best stories was I was on a road trip, and I stopped for the night in um, Death Valley National Park. And um, uh, I, after I had dinner, I got my spot in the park, and after I'd had dinner, I was driving a, uh, uh, an RV, and um, I decided I was going to walk out toward the desert and um, away from the campground and away from all the noise and just observe the night sky. And as I, I approached this boulder and started to sit down, this voice called to me from the darkness and said, you know, um, uh, you know, you need to be careful. Uh, are you looking for UFOs? And uh, at first I was kind of taken back, but then a, um, an older man approached me, called himself, he said his name was Jim Graydog, and he said that uh, and he was a watcher. And he watched for aliens, and he watched for young people or people who had been abducted over the years since he himself had been abducted. He described himself as a Vietnam veteran, an American Indian of, of various, from uh, with ancestry in various tribes, and that um, he and a group of friends had been abducted when they were young young people, and that he kind of, after he got back from the war in Vietnam, he he rather made it his business to uh, watch out for others, and he would record. He had a little notebook, and he recorded every abduction he observed, the time, the date, a description of the individual, whether it was male, female, how they were dressed, what they looked like. And um, and out of the, he said three of them never came back that he had observed. He was one of the most interesting characters that I've ever met, and I've kept in touch with him. In fact, I hope to, I hope to see him in, in uh late November when I head back down that way. Did he tell you about his own abduction? Yes. He told me that that um, uh, it was a group of friends. They were just fooling around out in the desert. Um, it was right after they had graduated from high school, from secondary school, that uh, they had just gone out to drink and, and have a good time and... Uh, um, there were two women, uh, two girls. One was, uh, her brother was along, and the other one was a girlfriend of, of one of the participants. And uh, that um, the aliens uh, confused him because they had made, uh, he thought they were his friends when they led him away. And yet when they, he, they took him onto a spacecraft, he realized they weren't his friends at all. They were they were aliens, and he had been tricked into going with them. But when he got there, he found out that his friends were already there. And um, they performed some very uncomfortable um, examinations of them. Um, in later years, the one kept looking, for, was in a, uh, the one lady, one of the women was in an institution where she kept looking for babies and talking about UFOs. Um, and, you know, it was just a, a really interesting story of how all of their lives had been so impacted by this event. And, of course, Jimmy had, had devoted his life to watching the stars and, and watching for people. And he said that 
that Death Valley area was an area where they were frequently abducted because it was so isolated. He told me the story about one young woman who came, and he said he'd never forget it because she wore this long red dress, and he said she stood right where you were, uh, where you were standing, he said, and she lifted her arms to the sky, and he said she was gone. He said she was gone in an instant, and they never, she was never returned. He said they often take people who have no family or they're camping alone or are wandering alone. And he said that's one of the reasons why he was very concerned about me, because I was alone. Do you say how long he'd been abducted for? Do you have any idea? Well, he had just been abducted that one time. But, you know, uh, he didn't tell me how, how long the abduction lasted. Has it left a, a bad bad taste with him? Oh, yeah. He hated them. He called them, you know, a little monsters and, you know, that they were evil. Have you ever had an encounter with anything like this, star people? I have, but I don't want to talk about it, okay? <laughs> I prefer not to talk about it. Oh. Are you going to write about it? Perhaps. Can I just ask how long ago it was? Well, it first started when I was about seven or eight years old. All right. So you've had lots of experiences. Yeah, when I was a child. Have you had help for it? Well, I don't need help. I know what's going on. Right. I think one of the things, you know, that a lot of people suppress these memories um, you know, I've had a number of people in my book, if you if you read my book, uh, several people talked about how some 80% of the population doesn't remember being abducted, mm -hmm. while 20% do. In fact, one woman talked about how they were, um, they were conducting experiments on human brains to determine who was a complier and who was a defender. A complier was somebody that went on board their craft and didn't didn't fight, didn't, uh, uh, you know, they were just totally compliant. Where the defender, they called them the defenders, were ones who resisted them. And um, uh, so I guess, you know, I probably uh, fall in that cat because he, they said the defenders are ones who remember. They remember what happened to them, but the compliers never do because... Mm -hmm. We have discovered that in their brain there is a there is a, a, a certain uh, element to their brain that 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 uh, allows us to be able to uh, keep them from remembering. Where the defenders are people that will remember despite whatever we do, and we're they're conducting research to try to determine what makes that difference. If you've been, oh, as you say, you've been adopted and you don't want to talk about it, why, Artie, have you been out on your own into the desert? Isn't that asking for trouble? Well, I guess, you know, I, I figure if they're going to take me, they're going to take me wherever I am if they want me. So that doesn't concern me nearly as much as it concerns other people. Why did you feel the, why did you feel the need to write this book? Well... You know, um, I had retired from the university, and uh, I got a call one day, and, and uh, 
um, I was asked to come out of retirement by the federal government to uh, do an evaluation of a $10 million federal grant that had been awarded to a reservation. And so I went to Washington, D.C., and I went through the training. And um, and I might admit, I did that at my own expense. Then I went to the reservation where I was to do the um, the evaluation. And I met with the individuals down there. And one of my final acts there was I had lunch with a group of women. And I don't know how the subject came up, but... Um, Somehow UFOs came up. And as we were talking, I started telling them some of the stories I had collected over the years. And this one woman looked at me and she said, and what are you going to do with all that information? And I said, well, probably nothing. And she said, well, what's going to happen to it after you pass? And I said, well, I'm sure my husband isn't too interested in all these things I've been doing. I said, it'll probably just be destroyed. And she said, looked at me very sincerely and said, you know, you have an obligation to tell these stories because it's a part of our history. It's a part of who we are. It's our oral history. So on the way back home, I was thinking about what she had said to me, and, and I thought, now, do I want to take this government contract or do I want to write books about what all the research I've collected and I just decided to write the books and not take the contract. Because after all, it was my retirement and I could do whatever I wanted to do. And if I came out of retirement and did the same thing I'd been doing for years at the university, I wasn't really retired. So I could write my books and tell myself I was retired. So that's what motivated me. How can people find out more about you? Because you're a fascinating lady. They can go to my web. Uh, website uh, www6killer.com and they can write me at rdardy at sixkiller.com What would you like a listener that's listening now who buys your book to put it down, what would you like them to say after they've read the book? That it was a wonderful journey and many write and tell me that RD6 Killer Clark, you're a fascinating lady. The book is called More Encounters with Star People. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and hello to all your friends out there. I hope they'll get the book and read it. And I'd love to hear from I answer every email. So, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adi. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Late Night City with Pete Price, Radio City 2.